Hello, hello, and happy Juneteenth. This is the Enriched Life Podcast with Lisa Gines. All right, guys, so today is Juneteenth, if you have not already heard. And if you have never heard of it until this year, it's totally okay. So what Juneteenth is, it is June 19th and it is a celebration in which we celebrate all slaves were free. So basically how this happened is that this was June 19th, 1865, where Gordon Granger uh, announced to in Galveston, Texas with the Emancipation Proclamation saying that all slaves were free. Now this was two, almost two and a half years after the, Emancip- the Emancipation Proclamation was um, signed or the edict for it. And if, I think it was about two months after the Civil War had actually ended. So the Emancipation Proclamation was written before the Civil War had ended. Just a little bit of history reference right there. And so this, it took, it took a while to get there. They had to take a boat. It, it, it was a thing. It just, you know, you're thinking like, how in the world did it take two years to free the very last slaves, the very last slaves in the country? It didn't. And they weren't the last ones. There were some other things happening. That That's another, another podcast. But today we are celebrating Juneteenth. And as the black community celebrates the day that we say all slaves were free-ish. Why, why did I say free-ish? Because if you read the 13th Amendment, it does indeed abolish slavery unless, you get that part, unless it is in um, a form of capital pun- capital punishment or they are incarcerated. So if they are incarcerated, there is still a law in place in which these people can be held as slaves. Long pause. So, um... I just, I know I was going to celebrate Juneteenth, but just giving you a little bit of a lesson about our correction system and how indeed you can think of those who are in our correction system as slaves because our 13th amendment says so. Don't believe me? Go read it. All right. But today is a day of remembrance. Today is a day of celebration. Today is a day uh, that my family, we are going to be celebrating every year now. Now, um, I'm going back to the part where if you never heard about Juneteenth, I really didn't like celebrate it or really understand what it really, really was until I was in college and I had moved out to California. And the street that I happened to live in just so happened they have a huge Juneteenth celebration every single year. And I was like, what's what's happening? I was just happy. There's a cool thing happening on the street. I had no idea. And and so the the Juneteenth celebration specifically began, it kind of uprooted out of out of Texas because it, it makes sense because that's where the very last, you know, this, these slaves were and they were set free. And so therefore the biggest celebrations tend to be at Emancipation Park, which was purchased by the black community with their own money. I think it was said they put together um, 8,000, I believe, dollars and, pur- and purchased this park and it was named Emancipation Park. So every year, probably not this year, there's a huge celebration. And I was reading a great article today 
about an older gentleman who really brought the celebration from Texas to LA and it became a big celebration there as well. And it is a really good thing to celebrate for everyone. And I'm going to give you a little bit of biblical perspective on why this is celebrations and freedom is a good thing. Now, I know that this is our, we, we're, we're in it right now. We are in the soup. It is rough right now. I get that. It appears that at this point, we're not seeing as much um, looting. I think that was just a one week thing. It appears so and rioting and violence and all that but we're definitely i am really proud these protests are still going today there's a huge protest here in oakland down at the port and i respect that and and they were doing it in honor for juneteenth and i feel like this year is very special this year is special because of everything that's been going on with i mean i mean we can keep going with how many how many folks have died with George Floyd, with Ahmaud Arbery, with the most recent gentleman who who was shot at the Wendy's and died of his injuries uh, while being going to the hospital. But um, this year is different. This year, I feel like a lot of people are waking up to, they are, they're waking up to the reality of what the black community has, has been talking about for a very, very, very long time. And again, if you do a little bit of your own history homework here, because this is a podcast, but I don't want to have to tell you everything. Um, the system in which America's ideals were, were based on truly were not set up for black people. Now, if you can be like, well, that's just being dramatic. No, no, it really was not set up for black people. Um, if you think, if you're looking back at redlining, which was um, literally marking, they mark the city planners mark the maps on areas in town where they would essentially say, no, this is not, this isn't going to be a profitable area for you to buy. Let's put all the black people and people of color in these areas. And it makes it very difficult to even purchase in those areas. Or if you live in those areas, yeah, it's just, I believe it was even with the, uh, national board of realtors, it was illegal to sell houses to um, to African Americans, and I really wish I was making this up, but I'm not. All right, so back to why we celebrate. There is, there are so many areas in the Bible in which you can see where after a victory was won, the Lord called a feast and He called a celebration. Particularly, I'm thinking of the story of Esther and the Jews, where they have all they are all they have excuse me they are are already in um persia they are they have been taken out of their lands the babylonians have removed them from their culture from their home and the thing is it was uh, a very insidious way of taking over a people because they didn't have to kill them they had to remove them from their home and from all that they knew so that eventually those who were in that generation died off and all that these people knew was their subjugation. All right, so that's that little bit of context. And if you have not read the book of Esther, I'm going to give you the, the, the Lisa Notes version, the Giants Notes version. So Esther was a young girl who lived um, with her, um, 
well, it doesn't really say who she lived with. Maybe it was her parents, but her uncle Mordecai, her cousin Mordecai rather, basically took care of her her whole life. So rewind a little bit. The king had this thing that happened with his wife and he was like, you know what? If I don't want her making, I don't want her telling people that, you know, she can do whatever she wants and that's going to disrespect me. Because his advisor said, well, you know, if you let her do this, basically she did not want to come out and have a bunch of men ogle her because she was the beautiful queen. And she's like, I'm not going to do it. And so her husband, the king was like, fine, well, you're not queen anymore. So he went to find another queen. Yeah, this may sound ridiculous to you because it's a little bit, but it, there's, there's a purpose here. We're, we're going to get there. All right. So during this time, all of the eligible uh, virgins in the town were all scooped up and taken to the palace to kind of do a glorified beauty contest on who was going to be the next queen. So Esther, our, our heroine here, was given really good advice. Really good advice. I'm talking too fast here. And said, okay, if you do X, Y, and Z, the king isn't going to pick you. And that is exactly what she did. She listened to directions. She followed what they said to do. And she was made queen. And now she's like, cool. Now what? All right. So we're going to pause on Esther, who's pondering what to do with this new thing. And then we're going to talk about her cousin Mordecai. All right, so I'm back. Um, you're probably gonna hear a little bit of fireworks in the background because folks are celebrating today. Um, all right, so we were going to talk about Esther's cousin Mordecai and Haman. So Mordecai was kind of like security. He was the gatekeeper around, kind of a little general security around the palace. He was Esther's cousin. And Haman was a trusted advisor to the king. And, <clears throat> and so with reasons, well, I'm not really, we don't really get into why, but um, Haman hates Mordecai. Like he's jealous, actually he is. He's jealous of him. He's jealous that the king actually likes him. Then he's found favor with the king. Um, it goes into that he found a plot that there was someone trying to kill the king and so he found favor in the king's eyes and Haman does not like this he wants to be the only person that the king trusts that the king goes to for advice and so Haman comes up with this idea <clears throat> where he says hey king there is this group of people who are around us and they could be terrible just terrible and they could be want to take over. They could be violent. It could just be really dangerous for you, for you in, in, our, in our town, O King, that you should just, oh, you should just like, you know, make a day that all of these people can be eradicated because they are just a danger to the throne. And so the king's like, a danger to the throne? Well, then we should do something about that. Now, now, Haman was referring to the Jews. And let's think about this. Mordecai is a Jew. Esther is a Jew. But the king does not know that yet. And once the news comes out that a decree has been set that a certain day was put on the calendar in which everyone could take to arms and basically kill as many Jews as they could find. 
and Haman hears about this and he is grieved and he goes to Esther and he says, you have to talk to the king. Now, going to the throne room of the king unannounced could be a death sentence. Doesn't matter who it is, period, end of sentence. And Esther's thinking, well, I can't do that. But Mordecai says, well, what if you were placed here for such a time as this? Maybe this is the reason you were put here in the in the kingdom as queen to save your people. So Esther fasts for three days and three nights, and she works up the courage to go to the throne room. And she goes in unannounced, and nothing happens. The king is actually very, very happy to see her. He said he will give her anything, you know, up to half of his kingdom, you know, whatever, whatever she wants. He, he really, 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 really um, cares for her, which is pretty cool. And so she says, you know, how about I make a dinner for you and Haman today? It'll be great. And so she makes some dinner and she's thinking, all right, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to tell him that there's something is happening and, and that needs to be stopped. And then she couldn't do it. And so she said, how about I invite you to another dinner tomorrow? And so at this point, Haman thinks that he is just in. He has he has favor with the king. The queen's inviting him to dinner. He thinks his plan is going to go off without a hitch. So much so, he starts to build gallows in front of his house. A gallow is a place where you would hang someone. And so Haman thinks he is the man right now. Like, he just thinks nothing could... What could surely happen in my plan? And as you know, anytime anybody says that, something happens. All right, so this second dinner that happens, Esther finally gets the courage to say, there is someone who is trying to kill my family. And at that point, you can like hear the record scratch <laughs> there for Haman. He's like, ruh Hmm. And and the king's like, well, whoever it is, we're going to make sure that this is, this is just we're going to take care of it. So here's the thing. Because the king made the decree that um, the decree for those could take arms against the Jews, um, in those days, the king could not go back on what was decreed. So it was in law. It just, he had no choice. That's how the rules were. He couldn't break his own rules. So what happened was when Esther said, the person who was coming against us is Haman. And immediately Haman tries to throw himself at the mercy of the queen and the, and, and the king and and laughing because it, it gets funny because where the king's like really you're trying to kill her family now you're trying to like attack my wife it just keeps getting worse and worse for Haman so the very gallows that he set up for Mordecai because he was convinced he was going to die he died on those so we're back so now what happened that everything was exposed and um Haman is now um the recipient of his own invention so Haman was indeed executed and now we come up to the day that was decreed which people could take up arms against the Jews now what happens so the king had a loophole he made another decree in which the Jews could arm themselves as self-defense against those who planned on harming them. And so what happened was they were very successful and they indeed did not get annihilated, which was initially Haman's um, 
invention Haman's plan because he hated the Jews and he hated Mordecai and all of these things. So the plan was foiled um, and Mordecai was indeed put as second under the only one that was above Mordecai was the king. So he was even elevated further into his station. The Jews were saved. Esther stole the queen. And because of this, there was a day decreed called Purim. I'm getting somewhere, I promise. In which every year on that day, they would celebrate their freedom from almost being annihilated. So where am I going with this? There was a marginalized people group who was stolen from their land, nearly annihilated, and yet they and that they were able to be saved. And every single year on a certain day, they celebrate by Purim now is it's um and a rough way of saying it is like a Jewish Halloween. They so they it's it's a week-long celebration, there's costumes, there's fun. The way I've had it explained to me is that Jews um is uh golly Jews were pretty much be the most free of the be, be themselves to just be the joyous of being themselves loving their culture does any of this sound familiar um so that is why we're now going back to Juneteenth today where you hear all these fireworks going off where we are celebrating black culture we are celebrating freedom we are celebrating the day in which all slaves were free it took a while to get to Texas, like two and a half years, you know, and, and the war was even over, all that stuff. But eventually they got there and they were freed. So we celebrate. And I think of the celebrations that are and not even just in Esther, so many. Like when um, Moses took the Israelites across the Red Sea and they were called to celebrate. There were songs of celebration. There are, you know, and it's celebrating the culture, celebrating God. If you have never listened to what we call the Black National Anthem, also the song is called Lift Every Voice and Sing. There are a million different versions, but I think uh, a popular one that you probably really quickly to find is the one from Beyonce from her Homecoming album. It's, she does a very lovely job. I'm not a Beyonce fan, but she does a great job with that song. But I just challenge you to Google it and just read the lyrics. The lyrics are powerful. The lyrics are heart-wrenching. It is about sorrow and joy and faith and overcoming and holding on to the Lord. And it is just, it's really, it's really, really powerful lyrics. And it's just something that I think that all of us as Americans can be reminded that yes, the scourge of slavery was real. And I honestly feel like the reason that um, our nation is having a hard time making this a federal holiday is because they don't want to be reminded about how wrong they were about slavery. I feel like it's the same thing where um, uh, the, I think the NFL commissioner has not given Colin Kaepernick his, his um, Colin Kaepernick his job back is because he would have to admit that he is wrong. And there may be some legal issues in there as well. But I just think that today is a wonderful day. And I still think that um, Juneteenth needs to be recognized as a federal holiday. But I also do like looking at the correlation between Esther and the, and the Jews and um, essentially the uh, finally last of the slaves and the free blacks and where whew, it 
turbulent as it may be, where we are right now is not where we were. And difficult as it can feel right now, that everything feels impossible. Everything feels like we're not getting any momentum. But I am believing and holding on to the Lord that indeed something is changing in our country this year. Uh, Something is changing in the past few weeks. And I know people were upset thinking 2020 was going to be their year, but maybe this is, maybe this is what we needed to see. Maybe having everything stripped away from us and comforts and things that were normal, having those stripped away and exposing the scourge of slave um, racism in our country and that evil is exactly what we needed to see. Maybe that's what makes this our year. The year that we realize that maybe 2020 vision has indeed happened. All right, guys, I think that is enough for today with our story time with the entire book of Esther, (laughs) all in about 20 minutes. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Happy Juneteenth. I hope that you guys have had some great soul food and hopefully some watermelon in your future and some kind of red drink because that's what Juneteenth calls for. And I will see you guys soon. Don't forget to like and share and subscribe this podcast to whatever forms that you listen to it on. And I will talk to you guys soon.